How do you get your customers to talk about your business naturally? There's no magic formula, but the key to success is media. Building a channel for your fans to engage with furthers brand and their experience. No one knows this better than Tiffany Derry. Derry's been a mainstay on Top Chef, Bar Rescue, and a plethora of other food-centric programs, and for good reason. She's a bona fide expert. Chef Andre Natera pays a visit to celebrity chef Derry to try to perfect fried chicken and learn how she's growing her restaurant empire through smaller footprints that don't come with a hefty price tag. Heat up the oil, set out the sauces, it's time to run the pass. Tiffany, we're at the Legacy Food Hall and I know you have a Roots Chicken Shack in here. So how, how did that come to be and, and uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so Roots Chicken Shack is sort of my baby, right? Like it was the restaurant that was brought up because of everyone's love for duck fat fried chicken. I used to do duck fat fried chicken at another restaurant that I had, Private Social. And um, I would be places and they would go, hey chef, you got a little fried chicken in your bag? And I'm like, no, I don't care, chicken in my purse, you know? And um, so many people just kept asking for it that I said, you know what, we really should do a smaller place just selling duck fat fried chicken. But I didn't want to have the crazy overhead. I did not want to worry about all the labor and all the things that come with such large restaurants. So they were building this particular space, which is Legacy Food Hall, and it turned out to be the perfect place, 329 square feet, super small. And I'm like, okay, if I can do this, I can do it, then we'll be ready. And you just opened up a, a second one in Austin, in Mueller? Yes, correct, we have a new location in Austin, Mueller, the HEB, I have a partnership with HEB there. And uh, we have another Roots Chicken Shack about the same amount of square feet, you know, we kind of got something working um, with what we have going. And it's ideally the same menu. And so, if, Tiffany, if I recall correctly, you were on Top Chef, and then when you left Top Chef, you mentioned Private Social, you came back to Dallas and opened up Private Social? Correct, so I was, a part of a restaurant called Go Fish here in Dallas, and I got the phone call for Top Chef. Um, I did not try out for Top Chef. I was not seeking to go and put myself through that on TV. So what happened was I was cooking, I'm in the restaurant, it's crazy time, um, it's lunch, the hostess comes up to me and she's like, Chef, you have a phone call. And I'm like, I have a phone call? Well, just tell my phone back. And she's like, no, Chef. You have a phone call. And I was like, you know we don't, I don't take phone calls during lunch. Just take a message. She's like, it's Top Chef. I'm like, girl, please, Top Chef ain't calling me. <laughs> and um, I get the phone and I'm like, hello, because I have an attitude because I really think someone's playing with me and I have a lot of guests that are waiting and I'm on the phone, right? And they say, uh, this is Top Chef. And I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, excuse me, hello? <clears throat> I fixed my throat and uh, they said that we'd love to have you on, and it just kind of went on from there. And, and so after that, what was the experience like uh, opening up Private Social? Incredible. Did the, did the doors just start opening and the opportunities start coming in afterwards? Yeah, I mean, once I did season seven of Top Chef, um, and then I came back and we I was a part of the, the whole Goldfish thing when the owners decided to close. I was just executive chef, so I didn't have any partnership or ownership in that. Um, and then I decided to do private social with a couple of guys and it was great. I mean, we had so many people. Um, I had a lot of press, you know, I didn't really understand how much press you get from 
doing um, three months worth of TV consistently. That, I mean, I couldn't even think about that, right? Like I had never seen that. I didn't have anybody to talk to about how that worked out. Like it was just so foreign to me. So it was almost like a light switch, you know? All of a sudden, you're only known in Dallas and then all of a sudden, everyone across the world, including I was in France and someone screamed my name while I was out on the street. So, I mean, <laughs> yes, Stephanie. Oh, that's Spanish, never mind. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was really, really different. You still stay pretty busy. I, I, I feel like I see you everywhere. You still do a lot with, uh, I, I think you still do a lot with Top Chef and, uh, and other shows. And I, I feel like I've seen you on the red carpet, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I, I did see you on the red carpet. Yes, yes. So how do you balance um, all the media opportunities that, that uh, get presented to you and you know running now two restaurants? Well, I'll tell you that it didn't come easy. Um, there's been a lot of mistakes um, in the beginning had a manager who I didn't oversee everything. Um, I just sort of let them do what I thought that they did best. Um, and within that, I ended up losing a lot of money. Um, he took a lot. Um, in fact, there were situations that happened just because of me not knowing the business. You know, the entertainment business is very different than the restaurant business. And a lot of times when they're signing certain things for you, um, they own that. So I, I had real issues within that. Um, so I had to learn to navigate the waters a little bit by myself, um, know the roles of different things, right? So I've had PR, I've had managers, I've had agents, but in this moment, um, I still, I don't do any agents at this moment. I, I, my attorney does a much better job for me than some of the agencies have done for me. So I've had to learn to just sort of develop kind of, you know, what works for me and go from there. And, and what is it? What works for you? What's the secret sauce? Um, I like controlling everything a little bit myself. Um, I, I do all my social media. I do social media for myself for both restaurants, for Dairyware, um, and I also do a lot of the press things, everything dealing with press, I, I handle. Um, and I just like signing off. Um, I have no problem setting things up and getting them in motion, um, but you know, when it's new and you're just creating it, you almost need to be hands-on just to understand every piece so that when you hand it off to someone else, um, you know the right questions to ask, right? You know what what the results need to be. And so I had to learn that part first. And so, you, so you mentioned dairy wear, and I, I see that you're wearing yeah. your shirt. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about this. Is this the, the new venture? Yes. So dairy wear, uh, again, is my last name, Dairy. And when I was coming up, I didn't see a lot of chefs that looked like me. I didn't see a lot of, and I'm not just talking about people of color, I'm talking about women. When I think about the word chef and how we pronounce it, you know, it sounds like S-H-E-F. And so we were sitting one day and we were like, almost like she chef, right? Like chef. Uh, and so we just kind of ran with that, loved it. A lot of women got behind us and really Dairyware was about promoting, having space for women to create their own and feel good in the kitchen, especially we're talking about culinary and what has been a male dominated scene for a very long time. And I feel like by creating uh, the Dairyware and Chef, you're creating your space. Tiffany, 
we mentioned culinary school. How did, how did you get your start in the industry? So I started at IHOP, International House of Pancakes. I was. I started at McDonald's. Just great beginnings. Uh, yeah, I started at IHOP. I was 15. I went in. I told them I wanted to be a cook, and one of the gentlemen said that no girls were allowed in his kitchen. And I said, oh, okay, well, what else do you have? So naive from Beaumont, right? And um, they said, well, you can be a server. I said, okay, great, I'll take it. And that's just really where it began, you know? Um, someone called off in the kitchen, and I would always go in and ask questions, you know, like, why do you flip it with your left hand if your right hand is your dominant hand, you know? Like, how do you do this? And, how do you, you know, have seven saute pans of eggs going? And how do you remember? Because at IHOP, you would have to, you know, all of it was memory. So I'm like, how do you remember all of that? And so just asking so many questions. And finally, when someone didn't show up, I got my chance and I never went back uh, to the front of the house. So IHOP. So I've, I've heard you say this and I'm paraphrasing, um, but it's a quote that I've heard. And it's, um, if you take care of people, the people will take care of you. Did I, did, I get, did I get that right? Yes, I believe that. I believe that with my whole heart. You know, during the pandemic, there was so much we all were feeling, right? And some of my feelings was, I don't know where to begin, right? Like, I don't know how do I help? How, how do you do more? Um, I'm just a chef. So like, you know, what do I do? I feed people. So I told my staff, I said, I believe that if we take care of people, our community, if we take care of our people, they will take care of us. And I can't tell you how that's gonna happen. I just believe that if we, our sole purpose is just to feed, right? Just to take care of them, it will come back good to us. So I started doing um, a lot of dinners. We started doing family dinners and everyone thought I lost my mind because- When you say family dinners, what do you mean? So here, you know, we, we have only fryers. I told you that. Yeah. So I found a space where we could have stove. We had a stove, we had an oven, and we started doing like meals for four people. Um, one day it was fried fish with green beans and red rice and potato salad and a dessert and sometimes even a bottle of wine for four people for $40. And we sold out every single time to the point where we were doing three, four dinners a week. And I ended up having to add more staff. We were hiring in the middle of the pandemic. Um, in the middle of that, we ended up having a contract with one of the waste management companies where we fed 400 every Tuesday, 1600 every Thursday. And I mean, our community just kept showing up. You know, they're like, I remember seeing and no disrespect to people who can charge, you know, 80 to $100 for a meal, but I knew that that wasn't my crowd, you know. I knew that I wanted to make sure the people who didn't have money could actually eat. People were tired of cooking at home. Grocery stores didn't have much food, you know. It was it was just craziness and um, I just believed it and we just kept cooking. That's what we did and sure enough, um, when people started to get money and jobs kind of started to come back and working from home even more, yep. we saw our business increase. So when building a brand as a chef, how do you put emphasis on community within your brand? I think that from the beginning, you have to remember you can't do anything by yourself, right? And um, for me, you know, family, friend, community, they all kind of sit within the same thing. 
Um, and I think that when we do that and we put the emphasis on, we make product for them, we make it affordable for them, um, it becomes part of the brand, right? And then they become the brand ambassadors for you. Uh, and they're telling, oh, you've got to make sure you get this, right? Like I was sitting outside the restaurant today and I, I heard one guest um, ask another guest, you know, they had a big bucket of chicken. And they're like, how's that chicken? I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about it. And they're like, I don't know what this is, but this is delicious. This is the duck fat or the seasoning or, or something makes it great. And then another guy walked by and said, oh, don't forget the chicken strips. That's brand ambassadors, right? Yeah. They're the ones who, if you take care of them, you give them quality products, don't, you know, cut corners. Don't you know overprice just because you're trying to make a quick dollar and make sure that you continue to give back, right? Every piece of what we do when we make something should be going back to the people who support us, the community, or the people in need. So when you think back to um, the, the, the restaurants that you've opened um, and knowing what you know now, if you could go back and say, okay, make sure you don't do this, what are some of those things that you would tell yourself? Oh, we're gonna be here all day. Um, you know, one of the things, that I would tell young Tiff is she should be a little more confident because there were things that I knew but I was a little more silent on and I allowed other people's vision to become more than mine. Um, and I really shouldn't have. And so, you know, there's one thing as having a collective and making sure we embrace and do all, but there were just things that, you know, some things I just knew this is the way you do this, and this works this way. Um, but I would also, I would also make sure that my team is strong. I would wait, I would wait. Um, too many times we are rushed or we feel like we wanna open something um, and we go for a great deal, right? I would definitely not rush into anything. Take my time, maybe a couple years more. So what's next? Do you have any other big projects working? Oh my gosh, I have tons working. You know, I just finished filming Top Chef season 18, judging. I spent a month in Portland, um, in the middle of all of this craziness, in a bubble. Uh, but it was great, great talent. And then we also um, filmed Top Chef Amateurs, so I'm gonna be appearing in that. What is Top Chef Amateurs? Top Chef Amateurs is where there's amateur chefs are coming in and they're cooking um, with or against um, the other chefs. So for instance, a Top Chef All-Stars either is a mentor or a judge. And so uh, we kind of flip-flop and then there's another amateur and we either sous chef one or we're gonna judge. So it's fun and um, I think it's gonna be one of the best shows, honestly. It is so much good energy and I was just amazed at pe what people were pulling off. I mean, it was good food and it was their ideas and they were crushing it. So I think it's gonna, go I think it's gonna be really well. Yeah, and it's Gail Simmons, the host, so, yeah. I mean, she's the best. Yeah, and any other big restaurants coming? I do, I have Root Southern Table, that's coming up in March, and it's gonna be in Former's Branch. It is sort of my ode to Southern, um, cooking my family, my roots. Uh, my family's from Louisiana, Baton Rouge, Port Allen, and um, one of the things that I've done since the age of 18, I made a vow to myself to get out of country every year, and with that, I've just been able to explore other pieces that I feel like myself, honestly, you know, I love um, 
kimchi and I love my Korean mom shows how to do all of these, you know, different spices and flavors. And when I think about the preserving of kimchi and then I think about the preserving that my grandmother did with, you know, her cupboard, it's funny because we're, we're still all connected, right? We have different spices and we have different flavors, but the basics a lot of times are very, very similar. And I love exploring that and that's what we'll do with Southern Table. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being here with us um, and, and talking about everything that you have going on, and it's also great to see you. Thank you, and make sure that when you're around, you pick up my new spice line called Chef. Where, where am I going to get the spice line? Um, it will be in stores near you very soon. <laughs> get you some Creole seasoning. <laughs>